Good morning. Let's all stand and worship together this morning. understanding is my song and um, we hear that all the time and there's a verse in the Bible that says in the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and I pray that for us this morning I pray that that peace will just guard us and keep us safe and strong as we worship and as we go through the week Wash away my sin Nothing but the blood 
see everybody here this morning. Turn to your neighbor and greet one another and children come join us in the here.
Good morning. I am glad to see you here. I know it was probably kind of hard this morning. It's super duper cold outside, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Earlier in the week, kind of tricked us. It was nice and warm, and then all of a sudden, now it's all cold. Everybody on Okay, well today, I want to talk to you about something that's going to happen in about two days. Do you guys know what that is? Lauren. Lauren. Valentine's Day. Y'all were right. That's right. And, and what is so special about this day? Um, friends and family. Friends and family. Cards. Valentine cards. And love. What else? Well, can you tell me something else? Why do we celebrate this holiday? God was Good answer. God was brought into the world to love us. That's right. Anything else? Can you tell me, you talked about that. It's, um, it's a holiday about expressing love. And it's a holiday where we just take that one day to maybe do a little something special for our loved ones. Huh? Can you guys tell me how you show love? Maybe to your grandma or grandpa or mother or father? Sandy Valentine's cards, okay. Lauren? Presents, yeah, that's kind of my favorite too. You know, another favorite one of mine is candy. Y'all like candy too? Yeah, that's pretty good. That something about that sugar, especially if it's chocolate, it's just something about it. it makes you feel good inside. Well, one of the things today's um, Bible verse comes from John fourteen fifteen, and it says, "If you love me, you will obey what I command." And you, you guys mentioned different ways, and and I know in in our household, I know. Um, we try to show different ways, and, and, and we try to remember to do this throughout the year, not just on Valentine's Day. Um, whether it's maybe when you come home from school, we just don't throw our backpack on the middle of the floor. Maybe we put it back where it's supposed to be, so that way in the next morning we know where to find it, right? Or maybe it's picking up your toys afterward, you know, after you get done playing with them. So those are different ways. And one of my favorite ways that Mr. Clute shows me is that, and, and it doesn't happen very often, and part of the reason why is not because he doesn't do it, it's because, well, when we get into the car, we have children to load and put them in a seatbelt. And before we had children, he would always open the door for me. And it's just not that he has forgotten, like I said, it's just we have kids to put in the car and it's just kind of our routine. But one time, we had a special date and we had no children. And guess what? We still did it. Oh, I loved it. It was so warming. It's such a simple thing. So simple things like that we can remember to show love. And not just on Valentine's Day, but, but throughout the year. And so I wanted to remind you that in our Bible, Jesus gives us different things, lists. And they are his commandments. And one of his number one commandments is to love one another. So Tuesday, yeah, we'll remember to love each other and be kind and loving and do good things to each other, but let's try to do that throughout the year. Now today I have a little special treat and it's in my box over here. Yeah. And one of the special things I want to share with you that our family enjoys is airplanes. I found this really cool valentine 
and you can make it into an airplane. So maybe later on today, if you want to share some time with grandma, grandpa, brother, sister, somebody, and put it together, and it turns into an airplane, and you can fly it around. But promise me, during Pastor Arthur's service, don't fly the airplane, okay? All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Jesus, we love you. Help us to show that love by doing what we have told us in your Bible, by your commands, especially to love one another. Amen. Good to see everybody. If you noticed earlier <clears throat> that there was a sound reduction panel, like on the wall back there, that somebody put up here between Kathy and me, it was because the other singers were tired of hearing my jokes this morning, and that was supposed to, you know, cordon me off from them. So anyway, but we moved it for the beginning of the uh, service. <clears throat> it is good to see you all here today, and glad that you can be here on this chilly morning. The heat has been on in this building for two hours, and it's still a little nippy. It's just trying to overcome the frigid conditions outside. But anyway, glad to see you here if you're worshiping with us as a visitor, and we do hope you'll come back to, uh, to be with us many times. If you uh, have a prayer concern this morning that you would like to share with this group so that we might join you in prayer, we invite you to write something on an index card and um, if you raise your hand, our ushers will bring you one of those index cards, and then you can write something down that uh, I'll share with all of us, and we will join you in those concerns that are upon your heart. Announcement from Miss Katie to the kids. Join us tonight for our regular Sunday night programs from 5.30 to 7.00. During your regular time with Mrs. Katie for Mission Kids and Bible Study, we will have a fun Valentine's celebration, so don't miss out. And remember, all first through fifth graders are invited to join Miss Jessica in the social hall a little early today at 5 o'clock for handbell practice. Tonight is the very first meeting of the children's handbell group, so join us there in the social hall at 5 o'clock before choir practice. A big thank you to everyone who supported the Mission Kids in their Make a Swish basketball fundraiser last Sunday afternoon. 30 Mission Kids participated in the event to raise money for Stop Hunger Now. Our final totals will be shared soon, but thanks again for your overwhelming support of this mission. Um, family fun night at Greenville Road Warriors Hockey game will be on Friday, March the 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $8 each. Reserve your ticket by signing up in the FLC entrance back here or see Katie Jeter or Wayne or Christy Morris if you have any questions. Uh, Marsha Mays is coming to give us uh, an announcement now about the uh, cross-training class. Good morning. I wanted to go ahead and make the announcement. We're having our annual supper here. It's going to be on March 11th at 6 p.m. 
We've revamped it to be no live auction, so it's just going to be Southern Eats and Silent Treats featuring the not-so-newlywed game. Um, <laughs> um, Jimmy Fowler is graciously offered to be our host for the evening for the game. So if you're interested in playing with your spouse, please see any member of the Cross Training Sunday School class. We have a, our wish list, and so we'll announce as we can who's agreed to play the game with us. Um, tickets are on sale in the back of the building, and then they'll also be before each and after each service. Um, if you have silent auction items you would like to donate, please see a member of the class. Um, our own Brett and Casey Hovis from our Sunday School class, who also have a catering company, are going to be doing the meals. So it'll be cooked right outside, and right in here, so it'll be really good. And we look forward to seeing you on March the 11th. Thank you. I believe that's all the announcements. Youth will be meeting as usual tonight. Very good. Uh, and the Bible studies, I'm sure, are on as usual tonight. So that's great, too. Um, if you have your prayer cards filled out, if you raise them up, our ushers will come back and collect those from you at this time. Bring them up here. Last week I did have one prayer request that said, Go Eli Manning. I think I came from that corner over there. <laughs> let, us, uh, let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this day, for your grace, your mercy, your presence with us always. We're always thankful for the life and the teaching and the presence of Jesus here with us as we come to worship. We are people who need to be reminded of your love and care and forgiveness and how good it is, Lord, to be here and to hear you say to us, your sins are forgiven. These are our special prayers for this day. We pray for strength and guidance uh, in choosing the best medical options this week. We pray for peace in the person's heart while ongoing medical treatment is sought. We pray for Jane Berg, who is in poor health. We pray for a brother in poor health. We pray for safe travel for Ron and Carla. We pray for Nancy Kiefer, for those missing loved ones who have passed on and we pray for the youth mission trip coming in July. We give you thanks for Roger Brown's healing and we pray that it may continue. And we give you thanks for Judy's progress in healing also. We pray for, your, for our troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We pray for healing and increased strength and independence for someone's mother. We pray for all those who are battling cancer and other illnesses. And we pray for our college students. We pray for an answered prayer in God's time and not ours. We pray for Mike Byard, who is fighting stage four stomach cancer. 
We give you thanks and praise for two-year-old Tucker Reeves who received great news this week from an MRI that he is cancer-free. We give you thanks for these prayers and for our hearts uniting together with these that have brought special needs before you this morning. We join our friends in praying these prayers and presenting them in your presence and glory. We give you thanks as we pray in the name of Jesus as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture reading for today is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there. Oh, try that again. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Here ends the lesson. It was 1975. A co-worker at a church called to invite Penny and me to tag along with a group to hear a little-known singer who was going to be giving a very small concert at the local high school. She said that due to his recent successes, This would probably be the last time that this rising star would be singing in such a small auditorium. And so we we joined 1,500 to 2,000 people to hear this relatively unknown rising star in concert. It really was great, and she was right. Immediately after this performance, he hit the big time. Barry Manilow. 
After this performance, he played to audiences of tens of thousands from then on. Mark chapter 2 gives us a, a glimpse into the early days of Jesus' ministry. At this point, he's still speaking in small venues because his fame is just now starting to spread. He was still able to meet inside a small house the size of a, a cabin, really, with those who were interested to meet with him. But not long after this, Jesus would have to move outside to natural amphitheater-like settings in order to be able to accommodate the crowds. But on this occasion, Jesus is said to be coming back home. And so that sounds like he's returned to the home of Simon Peter. On this day, that small house was packed with people. But it still had to be a pretty small crowd at a cabin, you know. But I can't imagine that there were probably people crowded outside in the windows looking in, people standing out there in the courtyard trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus and listen to his words. Um, we see a picture here of people trying to listen in on Jesus. Um, who are all these people? Well, some of them were disciples. Others were first-time hearers, the curious, potential followers of Jesus. But there were also some skeptics there. We see later that there were some spies in that group as well. Investigators sent out by the religious leaders to check on this traveling preacher named Jesus. We're told that Jesus preached the word to them. That is, he was giving him his message about how the kingdom of God was at hand and how everyone should change their ways, repent of their sins, and believe the good news that God was going to forgive them. Right then and there, trouble begins. Someone who was very different from most of the people there arrives and cannot find a way into that little house church to see Jesus. I find it interesting that nobody got up to give up their seat uh, or they moved to get out of the way to let this man come into the room. Now, someone has said that we Southerners always express kindness and generosity except on those occasions when a visitor tries to take our place in church in our pews. We will arm wrestle you for our pew in church. Uh, apparently that seemed to be the attitude that day in that house where Jesus, Jesus was that day. Um, I used to have a lot of uh, naive expectations about myself and every other Christian. Something that, that said to me that if we just would all focus on, on the Lord the way we should in our daily lives, perhaps everything else would just fall into place and we would... Uh, almost magically be uh, different people. We wouldn't sin. We wouldn't be thinking uh, about ourselves. We would instead be thinking of others. We would be almost perfect. But sadly, this story illustrates that that just isn't true. Even though these people were totally focused upon Jesus, they ignored a person who was in great need who came right to their very doors. This is especially true whenever the needy person is very different from us in some way. And I'm not sure why that's so, but it is an expression of the fact that we aren't perfect human beings ever. 
we're humans with that inherent uh, limited vision. Uh, we don't see all the things we ought to see. We don't comprehend all that we should. And we don't have all the compassion that we should. This is what we mean in the church when we say that we believe in the existence of original sin. It just means we recognize that there is a lack of perfection that we are somehow born with in this life. Uh, we are all imperfect human beings. Now, physically speaking, I'm nearsighted. And so without my glasses, I can't even see those of you on the front row, which maybe I could preach better. Never mind. Uh, but I'm also spiritually nearsighted. I can't see much besides the needs that I have and the needs of my family. Often we don't notice people in need who are right close by, um, especially if they are somehow new and different. This partial blindness is why we tend to surround ourselves with people that look just like us. We hire people that look like us, and judging by the way we divide up on Sundays uh, along socioeconomic and racial lines, we prefer to go to church with people who look just like us. My former district superintendent, Chad Davis, who died several years ago, uh, had to put up with a great deal of teasing from uh, his pastors like me at clergy functions because he was an easy target and a lot of fun and he was able to tease back very quickly. One time I said to Chad, Chad, can you explain to me why our bishops are always picking people that look just like them to be district superintendents? I said, when Bishop Paul Harden was here, that's the guy on the left, all superintendents were short little guys like Joel Cannon and McKay Brabham. When, when Roy Clark was our bishop, that's the guy on the right, he chose tall, slender men to be his district superintendents, men like Oscar Smith and Sinclair Lewis. But then I said, Chad, when Big Ed Tullis was here, all the superintendents were fat guys like you. Quick as a wink, Chad answered, and if we ever get an ugly redhead district uh, bishop, your day will have arrived and you can be a district superintendent. Well, in our story in Mark, it was a person who was unable to walk who was excluded from church that day, probably not on purpose, just an oversight. And that causes me to wonder who we might be accidentally excluding, probably not on purpose, but due to our own spiritual blindness. Several decades ago when I was in another church, our vision committee actively pursued this question. Uh, what are we doing that might be keeping people away? One of the first things we noticed was the fact that the church bulletin might be keeping some people away and making people feel unwelcome. Because our bulletin showed a traditional family, a mom, a dad, and two children, coming to church, holding hands. Someone on our committee asked, are we unintentionally sending the message that you're welcome here if your family looks like this? Are we inadvertently excluding single and single again people or single parent families? Are we excluding people that look different than this group in those pictures? We don't have an elevator or a covered walkway. How would a child or an adult in a wheelchair get from the classrooms downstairs up to the sanctuary upstairs? Who, we, who might we be keeping away from Jesus? 
But this story in the Bible doesn't end with people being left out. It moves next to a group of people who were determined to find a way for those people to fit into the church, find a way to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. They did this because they had great faith in Jesus and great love for their friend. They knew that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, Jesus could do something for them. Having been wholly excluded from the house, they made a holy entrance in the roof, H-O-L-E-Y, dug a hole and got in that way. Their faith made a way in, and they carried their friend on their faith to Jesus. It makes me wonder, whose faith carried you to Jesus and made sure that you found the way into the presence of Christ? Can you name the people who was there for you at some critical point of your life, some crucial moment, and that's why you're a part of this church or maybe a part of the Christian faith today. Maybe someone in particular is responsible for your being here. Was it your parents, your teachers, a friend, a pastor? If so, have you ever said thanks to them for getting you in the doorway to see Jesus? And then who are you going to be there for? Who will you intercept as they are heading the wrong direction in life? Who will you carry to Jesus? Now the story turns to the paralyzed man. He was a Hebrew and he had been taught his whole life that his suffering was a punishment for his sins because that's what everybody believed then. We don't think that way now. But nevertheless, we sometimes feel deep down in our subconscious minds that whenever something goes wrong in our lives, we are being punished for something that we did. What did I do to deserve this, we say to ourselves? Is God mad at me? This man, being a first century Hebrew, had no doubts about it. He was sure that he was experiencing the judgment coming from an angry God. Therefore, the first thing that Jesus had to do with this man was to set the record straight by saying, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was in essence saying to the man, you're wrong. If you think God's mad at you, he's not. Your illness is not God's judgment upon you, and it is not God's will for your life. God wishes good things for you and wills for you to be healed because God loves you. But Jesus went a little too far to suit the scribes. Jesus didn't just announce that God would forgive this man. He pronounced, boy, I looked at that clock. I thought, am I that late? No. Uh, Jesus didn't just announce that God would forgive him. He pronounced God's forgiveness upon that man. You know, there's a big difference between announcing and pronouncing. Do you know that difference? When you announce something, you're merely passing on to someone the news of something that has happened. But when you pronounce something, you are the one that's creating the conditions. You're creating a different situation. In our old order of service for weddings, the pastor would actually say at the end of the wedding, I pronounce you husband and wife because the couple wasn't married until the preacher pronounced you married. 
That statement of the pastor made the condition of marriage true. But in recent years, it's a signed marriage license that makes a person, uh, two people married. And so our newer wedding service just has the pastor now announcing that you are husband and wife. Also in Protestant churches, when the pastor says concerning communion, this is the body and blood of Christ, we're merely announcing something that God has done for us 